Welcome back to another friendly episode of Makers Weekly. My name is Dan Parsons, and I am your host. On this episode, I talk with Justin Mitchell about the future of work and how his new product, Yak, will play a major role in how remote teams talk to each other in real time. We go deep on the technologies he's using to enable this real-time communication amongst teams, and we also tackle hard questions around product pricing and whether you should bootstrap your business or look for venture capital. You're going to love this episode, so let's get started. Justin, uh, thanks for joining us. Really looking forward to talking about uh, So Friendly and Yak. To get started, do you mind giving us a quick background on yourself and a little bit about uh, So Friendly? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've been working in startups basically my whole life. Started in high school, so it's basically all I know. And uh, was lucky enough to have my own startup when I was about 19, and fortunate enough for that to actually go public, which is something not a lot of 19 year olds get to say. And uh, So Friendly came out of kind of my experience with that startup and working with engineers, electrical, hardware engineers, and people that have been in the industry for years and years. And uh, I saw a lot of people building products in a vacuum. And part of So Friendly and kind of the reason why we exist as an agency is this call to action to have companies start to involve their customers in the process when they're building something, get their feedback early on, loop them into the entire building process, focus on usability and user experience instead of what maybe an engineer thinks is really impressive. And so, yeah, I mean, and the background on So Friendly is that call to action to push these founders to ask tough questions and talk to their customers first. And so a lot of what we're doing is building mobile apps. We're designing the front ends for maybe complex enterprise applications. We're also doing branding and logo design, basically anything that has to do with user experience, whether that's the first time you interact with a product through their brand or all the way up until how it actually works when we develop and code it out. So we're kind of a full service agency all the way from branding to visual design all the way through development. Do you uh, have any specific profile of client that you look for? Is it mainly you know the big enterprises or earlier stage startups or really anyone in between? Yeah, it's definitely a mix. I would say that our approach is very different depending on if you're a early stage idea guy or if you're an established startup that maybe needs better user traction and retention or if you're all the way up in that kind of upper quadrant of an enterprise that has existing customers, maybe millions of customers even, but they're trying to build something new or trying to improve upon kind of a legacy product. So we work with you know, companies of all sizes. And I think the approach being different is kind of what makes us unique is that we're taking this kind of idea of let's see where you're at and apply kind of our methodology to where you're at and who your customers are. And we're taking that same kind of user experience talk that we push on our clients and we're applying that actually to our own work, which is to find out more about them, how we can best serve them and really talk them through this instead of just kind of applying a template to the way we work with somebody. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the, your team, just like the makeup of your team? And is everyone headquartered down there with you in Florida? Do you guys work remotely or how do you guys think about you know resourcing? Right. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is beautiful about this day and age is that you don't have to be limited by geography. So we've got about 
four or five core team members here in Orlando. Um, and then we're spread across the entire world. Actually, we've got, um, guys in Seattle, Washington. We've got some guys in Guatemala, Cambodia, Tijuana, Mexico, just all kinds of different, uh, digital nomads, uh, are a really good use case for working with us because, um, they can kind of work for, from anywhere. And their skill set is usually just off the chart because they have that ability to kind of pop place to place and be really talented in whatever they put their effort into. And so, while we do have a kind of central office here in Florida, at the same time, we're able to utilize those people all across the world. And so we've got uh, team members in Mississippi, in New York, in New Jersey. So we love to kind of pull that combination of a remote team and kind of a central team so that we have kind of main operations being done in you know one office, but we're not limiting our designers or our developers or our project managers to a central location. Um, one of the things that I found in my last startup was the CEO and the CTO not being in the same room definitely caused a disconnect in the company, but we ended up limiting a lot of our creativity and our engineering by forcing all of those people to be in the same room. So I think it's kind of like a nice balance between having the core, you know, administrative folks working out of a central office, but then being able to spread your entire team across the world and utilize all of those skill sets and not have to try and source it locally. So I think that's a good segue into talking a little bit about your most recent product, which is primarily what we're here to talk about. Um, Because I know you guys have spent some focus in your internal product development around tools that you guys are able to use to make your distributed workforce be more effective and more efficient. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the genesis of Yak and kind of the ethos behind that? Yeah. So one of the great things about SoFriendly in general is that not only are we working for clients and building these amazing products for other startups, but a lot of times we like to spin the wheels internally and build something cool that we think is really awesome and something that we've identified as a problem for other companies, right? So we're a great test bed on our, you know, ourselves, but at the same time, we're working with a lot of startups and we see problems in those projects or problems that we identify with the way that they work that we know that we could fix. So we have a couple products that we've built. Um, we have a VR prototyping tool called Vrooms that helps companies design for VR. We want to save other companies money by offering them discounts on really awesome tools with Syrup for startups. And, you know, we love building all these tools and we've hired all these remote workers from across the globe to help build them. And we looked at that and said, man, meeting culture and Slack and typing back and forth and emails is just not cutting it for the way that we want to collaborate with our team when we build these products. And so uh, we were fortunate enough to kind of have a, you know, a stick poke us a little bit in November of last year. Uh, Product Hunt launched a Makers Festival, the first one that they ever did, and they had a category for remote work. And as soon as I saw that category, it immediately popped into my brain exactly what we should build for that. Because it's been this kind of nagging issue as we've built out these different products, as we've worked with different companies, and I've had to maintain my remote team. And one of the things that's really been kind of a glaring issue is just communication in general. And Uh, As soon as we saw that category, it just popped into our heads exactly what we wanted to build. And that was something to replace the way that we communicate with our team or at least augment that experience and make it better. One of the things that we've always heard from other companies when it comes to remote work is either hey, we don't want to do it because we feel like we're not connected to those team members and we don't know what they're doing or it's hard to get a hold of them. The other one is from the remote team members themselves saying, 
well, we don't feel connected to the team. We miss out on those water cooler conversations. We miss out on kind of the rapport of being able to go back and forth in a conversation. And then the flip side of that is, well, let's fix that with, you know, three hours worth of meetings every single day, which is also not efficient. So we wanted to find this perfect blend between uh, having that meeting culture where you do get to talk and you're on a Google Hangouts or you're on a Skype call and the flip side, which is that you never talk because you're too busy working and you're not communicating or which is what I think a lot of remote teams are doing right now, which is, well, let's just stick to Slack. Right. And we're just slacking back and forth. It's a ton of typing throughout the day. There's tons of notifications always coming in to get a concise thought out. You're typing up a massive paragraph. Uh, the, the emotion is removed from that. So you don't really know how someone is speaking because it's just over text. And so in November, over Thanksgiving break, we built Yak. Uh, Yak is a desktop first voice communication app for remote teams. It works right now very similar to walkie talkie. So you see your team members in a list, you click on them, a short burst of audio, you just talk to them for that exact moment, and then you're hung up. So it's not a uh, concept of calling or dialing or coming into a, a meeting room or a conference line. It's just, hey, what's an update on this project? And if they're not there in that moment, that's okay. Uh, we're working on a version where they're going to dump a recording into a Slack so that they can get that message later, right? So the goal is to pull people out of these three-hour meetings, but at the same time, not force them to use Slack for their, all of their communication. We want to still have voice communication, but at the same time, we want it to be efficient, short, and asynchronous. So we built Yak over that weekend in Thanksgiving break. Uh, we submitted it to Makers Festival, and we won. And the response was so much more than, hey, look at this tiny little project these guys built. The response was, wow, we want to start using this in our company today. And so we had this amazing response from the community. And yeah, what's kind of happened since then has been, wow, we're going to turn this into its own standalone company, its own standalone project. And we've really just been revving on it ever since. That's a, such a great story. Um, so, so let me get this right. So the product is, I'm looking at a list of my team members and I just, I click, do I hold it? Do I click and hold and then just talk to them? Yeah. So it's interesting. We wanted this to be very similar to walkie talkie where you just click and hold. And what we found is people were loving it so much. They were having kind of longer form conversations. So the way that it works now, uh, we've updated the app a lot since the initial launch is that you'll click and hold. If you want to do a really short conversation, you just say what you're going to say and then you let go and it mutes your line immediately. If you did want to talk a little bit longer, if you hold down your mouse click for over five seconds, it'll lock you in and then you can just freely talk and explain what you're trying to explain. And whenever you're done, it's just one click to immediately end the call. So the great thing about it is we're still finding that balance between being able to easily hang up and just end it. And it's not a mute, unmute. So you're not always in a call, right? So it's not this concept of like opening up a Skype call and just letting it run for three hours. It's this instant connection. And then as soon as you're done, you sever it. So it's open connection, sever connection, instead of mute and unmute, so that you can feel like, you know, you still have your private space, you still have your remote environment, but when you need to reach out to somebody, you can. So yeah, just click and hold, say what you need to say. On their end, they'll get a notification, says Justin's yakking you, you know, would you like to join? You can join that yak, or you can choose to just let that go basically to voicemail if you want to think about it that way, right? So yeah. you can join it in real time, 
or you can wait for it to go to that, you know, VM as we're calling it, you know, sliding into your VMs. Maybe that'll become a thing <laughs> one day, right? And you can choose to join instantly or you can let it be asynchronous. It's kind of up to the way that you want to work. But on my end, I still got to express myself over voice, right? So I got that out of my system. And when you listen to it, you get to hear my voice. So it's still a more personal, intimate connection than what you see with something like Slack. Yeah, I, uh, I can see that being so useful for remote teams. I mean, I think that might even be something I would like to have, you know, with my friends, like other folks that I know, you know, currently are working remotely or in small offices. Um, and what I think is also really interesting is, you know, as you guys are collecting this data, it's, it's almost going to give someone, whether it's management or even you guys, just a really interesting graph around how employees are communicating, you know, through, through verbal communication. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Right, right now, there's no real way to capture how much efficiency is lost through employees talking, um, you know, or how efficient it is as it relates to, you know, productivity. So I think there's like this whole like analysis level that you guys are going to start to uncover once you peel back the onion a bit. And and Um, of course, staying true to our company, you know, the goal with this is to throw it out into the, you know, space right now, put a beta out there, let people use it, give us feedback, you know, we'll build it around users instead of building it for what we think is valuable. Yeah. And what's interesting about that kind of to your point on the data is what we're hoping to see, and if the you know the hypothesis is correct, if you will, it'll be that less meetings, but still that high resolution communication. So screen sharing is being added into Yak right now, and we've got a really special sauce that we're going to add to it, where it's called app peaking. And the idea is that if I wanted you to look at my sketch design for this new UI that I'm working on, that I could just quickly show you what that looks like in sketch instead of just doing like a full screen share where you're seeing a stream of my screen, you're just kind of seeing the updates maybe every 10 seconds, right? So instead of me having this pressure of like, well, I can't answer this text from my wife or someone just emailed me and I need to answer it really quickly. You're only seeing one app and you're only seeing it you know, as it changes. So it's kind of like instant screenshots, if you want to think about it like that. And so that's kind of this neat feature that we're trying to, again, push this idea of instant information, but without the pressure of like a long form conversation. So, hey, check out the screen really quickly. And that's the end of it, right? Instead of let's start a screen share. Can you see my screen? All right. You can see my mouse. All right, let's start. And then you have to figure out when you end that screen share, because then that like signals the end of a call, right? We really want to push this idea of like really, really quick back and forth. And to your point on that data, what we're hoping that we see is less meetings, but still higher resolution communication equals better productivity overall, right? So you're able to get more stuff done and you're not spending so much time doing hour-long meetings. Let's talk about some of the technology that you guys are using to make this possible. I mean, video streaming and now screen uh, screen streaming, you know, I know it's gotten a little bit easier with some of the more modern protocols, but what, what tools are you guys using and what technologies are you guys using to support this product? Yeah. So, you know, we started this project out as a kind of a hackathon quick fix project. So we had to pick technologies that were going to get us up and running in just a weekend. And so the 
the stack for the actual voice communication is based off of TalkBox and their OpenTalk library. And so what's great about that is from a scalability perspective, we're still using WebRTC, but with a uh, server there just to make sure that everybody connects. But from a bandwidth and scalability perspective, WebRTC is still peer-to-peer at the end of the day. And so we're able to add these audio streams that people can subscribe to. And instead of uh, focusing on this room concept, which oddly enough is how TalkBox kind of asks you to use their library is how everybody joins a room. What we're actually doing instead is we're having you just start a audio stream and then various people can subscribe to that one stream. So we can actually have one person speaking almost like a broadcast or a podcast, and then other people can just listen in on that. So it's not always back and forth. It's not always a room where everybody can talk. You can actually have audio going one direction, which is great because I can make an announcement to my entire team, and I'm not forcing them to all have to be in that kind of meeting room sharing their audio. It's only one way. So we're using TalkBox for the audio and the screen sharing, actually. And what's great about that is we started the project with basically no other backend. Everything was done locally, and then we just hooked into TalkBox to connect the two people. Since then, we've actually built an entirely robust backend uh, based off of AWS Cognito. It's on DynamoDB, and then we have, of course, got an AWS EC2 container that's running all of our uh, services. And what's awesome about the way that we've built it, though, is that the app still runs a lot of the stuff locally, so it's not entirely dependent upon this crazy server system to be successful. It can actually connect to uh, OpenTalk locally instead of having to run through any of our servers first. So it's a really lean approach to the way that we do the technology stack. And um, on top of that, because we had to get an app running over a weekend, uh, we built it on Electron. So uh, one of the challenges with that is going to be, you know, memory consumption. We want to make this not a dog that's running on your computer the whole time. Uh, So it's built with React on the front end that's being um, kind of packaged as an Electron app. And it's still running as a Mac menu bar app. So what may seem insane about that is you've got an entire Chromium instance you know, running as a Mac menu bar app. But what we've done is we've pared that down to an incredibly small process. So it's actually running at an incredibly low uh, memory usage. And we're not uh, blowing out the uh, the experience like, say, Slack might be in terms of how much it uses of your uh, computer memory. And so we're running Electron plus React. And then we've got that OpenTalk library. And it's really kind of a minimal application on the front end. There's not a lot going on there, which is really great. Do you mind providing a little bit of clarity around exactly what Electron is for everybody? Yeah, sure. So for those of you that don't know, um, Electron is kind of a packaging system for something that might already be running as a web app. So Slack is a really great example. They've got, you know, you can go to your team.slack.com in the browser. Well, they've also taken that kind of code and packaged it for Electron, which allows you to actually run it as an app that runs on your desktop. The great thing about Electron is it's fully cross-platform. So it runs on Windows, Mac, Linux, and it's using one code base. So all you have to do is change a couple icons, change some packaging flags, and boom, now you have a Windows app. You know, we're focused right now on Mac only because we think that most, you know, the majority of the remote workforce that we're working with is going to have Macs. But at the click of a button, we could be compiling for Linux, we could be compiling for Windows. That's what's really great about Electron is that ability to take kind of a web developer and make him a desktop developer instantly. Yeah, that is a very valuable technology. It kind of reminds me of the the whole hybrid app concept um, on mobile. 
can we can we talk a little bit about how you're thinking about managing you know this was a hack that you guys put together over a weekend and now it's turning out to be more robust uh, product how are you thinking about and how are you managing your product backlog and what tools are you using as it relates to product analytics to help inform your decisions around you know the next features to push from the perspective of how we're handling this turning into a larger project from just a kind of hackathon project, uh, what's been great is we've had a lot of interest on the VC front. And so we're kind of exploring some options there. Up until this point, we've been completely self-funded. What's great about that is we're able to use the profits from SoFriendly to kind of hire those two developers full time to be able to work on that. And now we're looking at some other options to how we could take it from a side project into a standalone company and that might uh, come in the form of some external investment or it may come in the form of us taking that bootstrap to kind of the next level right so deciding on a full budget deciding on exactly how we're going to deliver on this if it's going to be paid plans how soon those paid plans come into effect Uh, so yeah the plan right now is to essentially launch this first V1 instance that we're calling Alpha and get that out there, get a ton of feedback from people. And at the same time, we're rebuilding the entire back end and we actually have an entirely new version of the front end planned. And we want to try to see how people are using it first. So to your question on kind of what tools we're using, uh, we've got mixed panel analytics on the kind of analytics side. So very similar to Google Analytics. One of the things we love about Mixpanel is kind of how user-friendly the actual admin dashboard is. It's very easy for me to overlay my data, look at data over the course of different times. Um, It's super quick for a developer to add a different action that we want to track. So we're tracking things like how long the average call is, we're tracking how many accounts have been created, how many uh, friends each account has. And so we're trying to get this idea, you know, that stuff's going to inform what our pricing plans look like, right? So if the average team ends up being five people, maybe we wanna make up to three people a free plan, right? So for those smaller teams. And all that data is going to inform a lot of decisions on how we price this thing or even how we prioritize features. Um, One of the other things that we have in there is full story. Uh, Full story, uh, oddly enough, doesn't really support Electron. So we've had to do some fun hacks to get it uh, working for Electron. But the great thing about full story is when a user comes to us and says, hey, I did XYZ and this bug happened to us, right? Uh, we're able to see kind of like the user path inside of full story to see what they clicked, what error may have been triggered at that time, and go back into full story and see what happened. Full story also allows us to not only see the bad stuff, but it also lets us see kind of the good things, right? So it might inform us, wow, the majority of our users are doing group calls, or the majority of our users are doing screen sharing, or no one used this one feature, maybe we just remove it, right? So it's really cool to be able to go back and watch those user sessions and see how they're utilizing the app. And the great thing about it, and the great thing about us being a audio first company, is that from a privacy perspective, we're not capturing any of the audio. So unlike something like Slack, where full story may seem like a weird spying technique, what's great about it in in an app like Yak is that we don't see any of that stuff happen. All we're seeing is, you know, how long a call is, how many people might be on a call. And it's really going to help us inform those decisions. Um, another piece of cool technology that we're using is Sentry. Uh, Sentry.io, I believe, uh, we're using that for all of our error logging 
and everything JavaScript related. So every time an error gets triggered in the app, uh, we get a log. It actually dumps it right into our Slack. We're able to act on that immediately, prioritize it, make a GitHub issue of it really quickly. And so having all of these services kind of working together to not only inform us of how people are using it, maybe give us some insight on how we should be building it, but also telling us when something bad happens so that we can immediately act on it is really making us kind of an agile and robust team. Fantastic. I think that's an amazing overview of the tools you're using um, and actually some of the specific use cases. I'm actually a huge fan of Mixpanel as well. I've used that tool quite extensively um, over the years. Um, and I also think you bring up a good point, and I want to wrap this up shortly because I'm, I'm trying to keep these a little bit tighter, but how are you thinking about this bootstrapping versus VC? I think it's you know it's an inflection point that you're kind of in like the the great side of it where you've built something and it's kind of growing, growing out from underneath you. Um, and now you're figuring out the best strategy to finance it. But as you're thinking about which option to take, what are some of the things you're considering? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. Um, from the perspective of a company, it's a scary thing for me because at the end of the day, I am legally considered CEO. I'm probably legally considered CTO, um, but I definitely play the role more of a you know product designer, creative director. Those are the things that I know. Those are the things that I do well. Um, and I'm great at architecting the, the technical side of things and driving a product team. But when it comes to cap tables and investment strategies and uh, percentages and equity and share and stocks and all these different things, you know, I'm familiar with them. I've been in that world before, but it's also ultimately something that I don't want to be involved in, right? That's not my passion. My passion's building great products. So it's been an interesting journey, you know, talking to these VC investors, um, talking to them through the kind of the technicalities of how they're going to come in as an investor and being able to manage that at the same time as actually building a solid product. So one of my fears as kind of a, a bootstrapper is, do I hire somebody you know, to take over that kind of role for me? Do I learn that stuff and then hire someone to take over my previous role? Uh, there's kind of a battle between, well, now I have to budget you know, somebody just to get the budget, right? I have to budget for somebody to handle the money, otherwise I can't get the money. And it's this weird moment of um, going from you know, product maker and, you know, the maker space into company and investment and all those other things that, you know, we never have to deal with when we're bootstrapping things. On the other hand, um, it'd be great to not have to worry about funding the product. It'd be great to not have to put pause, you know, on any of the development because we're waiting for a new contract to come in to help fund that. Um, so, you know, there's upsides and downsides to both. One of the things that has been really cool uh, that I think I didn't expect as much is that all of the investors that we've talked to so far have been really, really jazzed about the product. So they're not looking at it from a perspective of, you know, how much money can I make off of this? But rather, you know, we believe in this vision. We see where you're going. We want to help you get there. You know, we love what you're building and we want to, you know, give you feedback on it and help support that. And so, for me, it's been great to kind of surround ourselves with these investors that are not only you know offering funds, but they're offering advice, they're offering involvement, they want to actively push this forward. And I think that that has been something that's been really rewarding, if anything, for validation, but also you know it helps us know that we're bringing in the right partner and we're not just kind of selling our soul, you know, if that makes sense. 
that does make sense. And with that, I think that's a perfect time to, um, to wrap this up. But before we do, where can everybody find you online? Where can they check out Yak? You know, go ahead and plug yourself. Yeah, yeah, just uh, simple plugs, right? So we're sofriendly.com, at sofriendly on Twitter. Uh, Twitter's a great place to find me. I'm really active on it. So I'm at It's This Justin. Um, so It's This Justin and SoFriendly on Twitter, sofriendly.com if you want to see any of the work or if you have a startup that you know might need some visual design help or some development, hit us up. Uh, Yak is available at yak.chat. It's just Y-A-C. Um, fun entomology of the name there. Uh, Yak stands for yelling across cubicles because we really wanted to simulate what it's like to you know yell at one of your office mates. So Y-A-C, yak.chat. Uh, the alpha is available to download today. Um, it's Mac only. If anybody wants a Windows version, you know, just hit me up on Twitter and I'll make you a build. Uh, honestly, we'd love any feedback that you guys have. So please download the app, share it internally with your teams and, uh, you know, hit us up on the Twitterverse if you have any feedback. Great, Justin. Uh, really appreciate you spending some time with us. I think this is an awesome story and we really look forward to tracking you guys here over the next few months. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you uh, asking me to be on and uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you.